Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Behavior Creative Club. This is a podcast for the people who make things and the people who make things happen. People like you. Thank you for listening. I am um, Chris McAdoo. I'm a creative director at Design Sensory. And of course, Best Behavior is a, a DS original production. And we are in a particularly interesting time. We are recording this on May the 4th uh, of 2020, May the 20th of 2020. Um, which is, as everybody knows, this is a little time capsule of a couple of months under quarantine. And we've been talking to uh, leaders in the 865 who make things happen, entrepreneurs, artists, um, just a lot of great people. And we're really excited to be joined by this on this episode by... Lisa Zinni, who heads up the Knoxville's or Knoxville Art and Culture Alliance. I'm saying it wrong. I think it's the Arts and Culture Alliance of Greater Knoxville. But Lisa has Lisa has been in charge of um, well, you you you've you've been been in charge of keeping a lot of organizations, artists, and people doing things and and providing them grants. Um, I think you've provided almost two and a half million dollars over the years to. Uh, two local organizations. And then, well, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, Lisa, and I'm going to take it back just a little bit, is to get a little uh, glimpse into what brought you into the arts, right? Um, so you've been with the Arts and Culture Alliance since 2002. Um, and you know, what are some of your motivations, even from, you know, from 20 years ago to now, um, the motivations that led you to be such a strong um, advocate for artists? The uh, the arts changed, literally changed the course of my life. I was uh, I was growing up in Oak Ridge and I was a student that had trouble reading for whatever reason. They never quite figured it out. I I was in third grade and I couldn't read. Um, And in Oak Ridge at the time, uh, with all the scientists who were living there, and I was going to school with those kids, the coin of the realm was not how pretty you were or how good at sports you were. It was how smart you were. So I was in the lowest reading group in uh, third grade. And, and, you know, kids pick up on that stuff. I remember the teacher handing me a card and saying, what is that word, Lisa? And and, and it was T-O-Y. And I, and I just didn't, I couldn't figure it out. And um, I remember standing there and being awash in humiliation. Um, And uh, at that same time, my oldest sister was um, in high school and she took me with her to audition for The Music Man at the Oak Ridge Playhouse. And I was cast in that and given a small role where I could sing and dance. And I had a little solo during Shapoopy. And the next day when I came in to school after that play, all of the children came running up to me and they were saying, we saw you, we saw you. And um, it was my first moment of being recognized for something positive and it gave me confidence. And um, my reading teacher started working with me, especially um you know, trying to help me. And as my confidence built and as my social capital built, because I wasn't just seen as this, you know, loser kid who, who couldn't do anything academically, but somebody who could actually sing and dance and get up on a stage, um, everything 
changed in my life. It completely turned it around. And by the end of the year, I was in the highest reading group and uh, my life really took off uh, because because of the theater, because of the arts. And um, there's just something in me that um, that never forgot how um, the arts um, lifted me, um, lifted my spirit, lifted my whole view of myself. And um, so I got an undergraduate degree in theater and cinema and then a graduate degree in arts administration because um, I found that, you know, my pool of talent um, was a little shallow uh, when it came to singing and dancing, <laughs> um, but that I could offer, maybe I could offer something on the management side and, and just on the advocacy side. So that's how I got into it. And um, it's been a wonderful career. It's been a wonderful journey. I've had a hell of a good time. And uh, been in uh, residence at the Emporium since 2004. Well, it sounds like a <laughs> like a hell of a good time, and it's really interesting those watershed moments. And you say the third grade too, because when I was in the third grade, I almost flunked because I could not divide. Like I could, for the life of me, I could not do long division. I'm not going to let anybody know if I can now or not. That doesn't matter, but. <laughs> A similar thing happened where in the third grade, um, we had art class. And while I could not do basic math, the artist, the, the teacher, was showing everybody how to draw in perspective. And, you know, the fence post that's closest is bigger, and then the fence post that's furthest away is smaller. And then it's behind a hill, and then there's a tree behind that, and then the sun's behind that. And it just made perfect sense, all of it. And nobody in the, else in the classroom got it, but it was very much in that in that same like, oh hey, he's not. We don't have to throw him in the trash heap. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, exactly. You weren't you weren't a dead loss, and that's the thing that I used to say a long time ago, um, back in the, the early days when I was with the Alliance and and um, the art schools. Art budget used to be so low. It used to be like less than a dollar a student, the supplies, the art supplies budget, it's, it's much, much improved these days. We're, we're so, so much better off in our art and education program, not where we would like it to be, but much better than it used to be. And I used to, to say, you know, for those kids who are not necessarily in the academic sense with, you know, long division and, you know, um, um, English literature or whatever stars and kids who aren't necessarily the stars on the basketball court or the, you know, track field. Um, there, there's the arts and they can be something special there. Um, and, and those are our kids and they, um, they have tremendous value. So, yeah, it, it's funny how that, how that goes when you're really, really lucky. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a home. The arts are, you know, it's a, it's a home for the weirdos and it's a place where being that, that quote, that quote unquote weirdo, that's not a bad thing. Like that means like you get to, no, heck no. that means you get to the think that you get to think of the thing first. You get, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's such, there's such power to that. 
And speaking of kind of getting to the things first, um, you have been around for the 865 because we're kind of focusing on this this area. You have watched um, and been in the middle of the community, uh, I mean, come up in a big way. Because you guys are on the 100 block, and my office used to be sort of across the street, you know, there on the 100 block, which is a lot of, um, uh, now it's, it well, it grew into a very bustling um, 100 block, but I was um, there when it was still relatively, st- relatively stabby. Like, it was not like the best place oh, on yeah. earth, you know? I um, used to refer to it as a sewer. It was. When we moved down here and we were here, it was kind of a sewer, you know. I mean, it was, it was definitely a stepchild, and um, and and we felt like we were doing the the some heavy lifting for the city, which is to keep the lights on down here, attract people down here, dispel some of the, you know, the weird um, feelings that, you know, this place was kind of dangerous and whatever, and. Um, you know, it's, it has been. It's been really kind of remarkable um, how this, how the block and the city itself has blossomed. I mean, you remember you'd walk down Gay Street, even the 400 and 500 block, and there was window after window, store windows, and they were dusty and empty and nothing was in there. And um, I think a lot of people have, um, have really, um, help this city get on its, I mean, you know, the inner city, the, the real downtown, um, get on its yeah. feet and, and, and start to tap dance a little bit. Well, and what you're talking about there is an interesting thing. It's a lot of people. Cause one of the coolest things that I think has been, has happened over the past decade, two decades, two years even, is a lot of our movement has come from the ground up from the folks that are willing to go in do the work, put their boots on the ground and get their hands dirty. Um, and, and I think that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing. And you also made me think of, uh, the way back in the day, uh, the mega mart, I would go there a long time ago and get like a soda and, uh, and there was the wig shop, you know, and that was the thing you no, could, I remember. <laughs> so you could get a, you could get a Mountain Dew and you could get a wig, and that was the activity, on, you know, that was your, it was your Saturday. Well, it's all true. I mean, we ain't a lion. It, it was, it was, it was pretty rough. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's fun well, now. Well, what are some of the things over the course of your career and, and, and different, different roles within the Knoxville community that, what are some cool examples that you have seen and have, have experienced of those folks rising up to the occasion, right? If it's an individual, you know, if it's an artist uh, or if it's a group trying to do these big things, um, what are some of those, what are some of those memories you have? Well, one of my favorite things um, I had nothing to do with, um, in fact, refused to have anything to do with, it was Strong Alley, where artists just decided that they wanted to um, use the, the the backs of those buildings in Strong Alley as a canvas. And they were dealing directly with the building owners and everything else. And it became, uh, uh, it became an attraction. 
people started taking selfies there and people got there were a lot of there's a lot of excitement when there was a new piece and then and, uh, and uh, the city recognized that, that that there was something there that wasn't there before and so they um put a lot of you know relatively speaking money behind it they put lighting in they repaved it and then they you know started thinking you know maybe it would be good if we had um some official eyes on the on on strong alley to kind of you know make things um a little more uh, uh structured and they uh, actually approached the alliance and said would you like to you know kind of take under your wing we'll you know give you a stipend to you know so artists if they want to do a uh, a thing there or whatever they apply for it and then you know blah 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 and i said no um that whole thing happened without me and i wouldn't dream of getting between artists and one <laughs> the wonderful thing they've created there and so they uh, approached dogwood arts and dogwood arts said i think we can do that and they have been and it's worked out beautifully um i just i love that i love strong alley i love what happened there um and then there are other you know places that uh everywhere you look you know um there are people i remember um you know organizations when the art market gallery was in the candy factory and then they moved downtown and of course the Tennessee Theater and the Bijou Theaters years ago, the Tennessee Theater, Jesus, it looked awful. And then it had its wonderful renovation. And it's been back in the day, everybody was doing surveys. Remember when you couldn't like even think about taking a step until you surveyed everybody and their brother and they were surveying, is it going to be worth putting money into this building, the Tennessee and blah, blah, blah. And all around the country, everybody's saying, oh, no, you could never make those work. You could never make that work. And boom, uh, they, they decided to do it. The fundraising, I think, at the time was led in part by um, Bruce Hartman from the New Sentinel. He was at the New Sentinel at the time. Raised boatloads of money. Ashley Cap was part of that. And the theater, is, is it's a jewel. It's like walking into a Fabergé egg. And the economy uh until covid-19 hit i mean it was gangbusters and they're expanding and you know i'm i'm so excited about their capital campaign which will get back underway later and then the the bijou too was a theater that i mean it closed for a while and it had debt and all this stuff and and now they over time they've turned that around they're making money now they paid off all of their capital debt and they're reinvesting i mean all these things are the results of average people who do not consider themselves remarkable in any way stepping forward and doing something about it doing the best they can and leveraging whatever um resources they have toward a common you know goal um it, it's it's a, it's a, it's it's been my great privilege to be a tiny little part of it well i think you're you're hitting on a large uh on something that i think is just super super powerful and you're talking about average people 
You know, what can I do? What can, what, what, you know, but what you're, what you're saying is take that step. You're saying do something about it, right? Get off your ass. If you care about something, be willing to work for it and then be willing to find other people that are also willing to work for it. Um, I think you probably have a great perspective on, um, on the arts and commerce, right? And where those, the, where those, those two things enter, uh, you know, intertwine. And what we've seen, particularly for Knoxville and the cultural community, is um, just the arts and the culture. There you go. Um, coming up and being such a valuable part of the community, not just from a cultural perspective, but an economic perspective. Well, that thank you very much. I appreciate that um, lead-in because now I'm going to take off and and um, and and use this opportunity to to fire off a bunch of uh, propaganda. Um, most people don't have any idea that the that every single household in Knox County saves four hundred and eighty-six dollars and twenty-six cents in taxes because of tourism. Because of the people that are attracted here to see shows at the, at the Jubilee Community Arts at the Laurel, to go to the KMA, to go to the Tennessee Theater, to come down to the Emporium. And when they come, they bring their money. And the average person, average cultural attendees spend $59.59 a person per event as a direct result. Oh of coming down, coming to cultural events. And that saves every Knox County household 486 bucks. So, you know, the, the health of, of, of the arts is inextricably linked to the health of every single family that lives in Knox County. I mean, event-related spending just in 2016 totaled 976 million dollars here and that doesn't include the cost of of admission vendors um you know people dizzy divas fabric shop dizzy divas fabric shop and elders ace hardware and wit building materials together made direct sales to art and culture totaling more than 25 million dollars last year um so you know consortium audiences spent $3.6 million at local restaurants like Tomato Head, Copper Cellar, mm-hmm. and Yassine's. You know, we make this place go. Actually, now you have led in, you have led into the Darth Vader section of the conversation. Making this place go. <laughs> but when, when you're talking about these communities, these artists, these makers that make the community go, um, what happens when it all stops right like when that well you know yeah absolutely i mean i remember getting a call from uh, jesse mayshark when he was preparing something for compass and this was way in the early part of covid19 when people were you know starting to cancel tours mm-hmm. and starting to cancel exhibitions and things and he said, so how's it going for art and culture? I said, we're getting the shit kicked out of us. What do you, how's it going for you, pal? Um, and the thing that is 
I mean, it's tough because with other crises, um, God forbid, 9-11 and the 2008, you know, stock market skydive, those were things that happened pretty quickly. And then you right. knew what you were dealing with and you recovered. Um, and it takes a while, but we are still in the midst of this. This is still happening to us. So it, you know, it's, it's been very weird. And I know that everybody, everybody feels that. I think that most of our visual artists, um, have, no, I shouldn't say most, but I've talked to visual artists. I've, I've, you know, pick up the phone and call people I haven't seen in a long time. How are you doing? What's happening? And one of the things that we were a part of on the national scale, which really helped them, was getting the federal government to include 1099 workers and gig artists in the unemployment safety net, mm -hmm. because they didn't used to get that. And this was going to be catastrophic. And so, thank God, working with hundreds of other communities across the country, we were able to leverage Americans for the Arts to get that included. And so, you know, the unemployment benefits have been very helpful, and it's actually given some artists the opportunity to breathe, to, 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 to stay at home, not completely, but to work, to actually work. Because you have to be able to have a little breath and breathe and not be racing, racing to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, and so I'm pretty darn excited to see the result of this pause in the work of our member artists and see how um, they have been using this time uh, to deepen their emotional wells from which springs their wonderful work. And um, and it, it won't be long. When it's over, we'll be like, oh, okay. Um, it feels awful, dark, awful long now, but I think in retrospect, it, it won't be. Um, one funny thing that happened that I think is wonderful is um, we were all ready to put up a new exhibition at the airport, which is our most visited um, site where we where we program artwork. Hundred and one. Oh shoot. Millions of people go through, or were going through there before all this, and right before we installed, it happened, and we couldn't install. So Suzanne, who's our deputy director, put all of the artwork as she usually does online, so people could see it. And you know, we've been holding the artwork, and we will be installing it in the next few weeks. And while mm -hmm. the work was online waiting to be installed. We sold two pieces. Sold. <laughs> and uh, we're like, whoa. And one piece, we just said, take it, take it, you know, and we will get another piece because, you know, if an artist can make a sale, by God. And the other piece, the person said, that's okay, we'll wait. We'll wait. We, we actually like the idea of our piece, the piece I now own, you know, huh. being seen yeah. by, by millions of people. So that's been that's been cool and I've been really proud and kind of astonished at how this particular situation has provided the motivation for people to 
they've gone at warp speed to embrace technology that they would have gotten to eventually, but now they've had to. And that's across mm -hmm. all the art forms. Um, we have our historic homes doing virtual tours and the KMA doing virtual tours and people putting their stuff up. And um, it is not, no, it is not um, the ideal way to experience uh, the symphony and the opera, you know, like a Brady Bunch thing on a screen. But um, it's going to be nice to know how to do it when this is all over. Well, that's a pivot that I made too, because of, with an exhibit that's up now, um, there was going to be a big thing and people were going to come out and, you, you know, and well, that you just don't do that. So yeah, filming an artist talk and getting it out there versus having everybody come in. It's just one of those um, creative endeavors. Like you said, I think that warp speed is, um, that's going to be a word that we're going to be using for a little while, because I think not just in the arts, but in all sorts of, uh, of places, things that we would have maybe gotten to in five years or 10 years. We're now getting mm -hmm. in five weeks and 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I think that's we had be... to, man, we yeah. had to. Absolutely. God. Well, all right. So we've talked about where we've been and we've talked about what you guys have kind of been involved with um, and which is pretty just just badass. And again, it, it speaks to folks that are willing to lend a hand and willing to put in that work. Right. Um, so what's next um, for you guys, you know, for the for the Arts and Culture Alliance? But then also, what do you see, you know, even as potential pie in the sky kind of things um, for uh, for the members of, of the arts and. Well, we were um, we expanded our lease at the Emporium uh, thanks to the to the city and doers properties. We now have over 10,000 additional square feet on the fire alley, fire street alley um, level. And that's going to be pretty damn exciting. We we will. That's going to be a place where we do a lot of um, immersive art experiences. And we have had oh, to wow. wait for that. We've had to wait for that because Jack the Jackson Avenue ramps had to go come down and go back up. Uh -huh. But we've been waiting. Um, you know what is it, almost 16 years um, for that, and it's happening now. So our, we, were getting, we are getting ready to do some major fundraising to open up that level for immersive art experiences, and that's going to be cool as heck. And then you've seen our underground Gay Street, our underground sidewalk, Chris, and mm -hmm. we have uh, photographs and plans to open that up. Um, as a thoroughfare for people. And it will also be um, a, an art experience, an art experience that is, um, that, that takes people from one, um, you know, type of art to the next, because when the Emporium was first designed, all of the spaces that were under the, the sidewalk there were glass. 
that wall, that eastern wall is all glass. And the reason is we want people to go, you know, and look inside this studio and look inside that um, place. And a place that I always envisioned would be a place where we would show um, independent film is going to be freed up and we're going to just show it ongoing at all times. And people can wander in there and, you know, watch it or go through the underground. So that's going to be cool. We'll, we will control all the space from the Jackson Avenue up to the Sturkey building, which includes an outdoor um, balcony, wow. which is going to be cool. So we're going to be fundraising and doing that. And that's going to be uh, a lot of fun um, and cool as hell. And then for the city, I think, um, you know, we're going to have to, um, we will do more and more to really appreciate the gift of technology that we have so unexpectedly acquired. And I think that once it is no longer um, a tool that we are compelled to use, but it becomes a toy, it will be a lot of fun to see how that that technology gets integrated into all art forms and how people then springboard those images and those experiences to all kinds of corners that were formerly dark. Um, the other thing that I have grown to appreciate that I have found out just in the last year is not that common, is how cohesive the art and culture industry of, of Greater Knoxville is. Um, it, it, these people help each other. They support each other. Um, there aren't the turf wars uh, that I see in other cities, and I'm so grateful for it. And so that's when collaboration can happen. And um, so more and more that will be happening. And I think that um, more and more um, we'll be performing in unexpected places. I mean, all our performing arts organizations now, because none of them knows when this thing is going to lift or if it's going to be intermittent, um, you know, so, okay, you, you can do your first three months of your season at the Tennessee, and then you're going to maybe have a couple weeks where you got to back off. Um, so there, they are um, exploiting every venue they can think of, because what if I then have to do, you know, Tchaikovsky outdoors or in a completely other venue that will provide for the kind of social distancing that that we need now. Actually, it, although it's been a, a royal pain in the ass, I think it's been good because it's gotten people to activate parts of their brains in creative ways that, that were not required before. And that's always good for the arts, isn't it? A little disruption, um, both planned or unplanned. Well, to kind of, yeah, I, I think I think that leads us into to kind of wrap things to wrap things up um, to that uh, to that weirdo that's out there that wants to make that wants to create that wants to collaborate that wants to um, make their own mark, you know, put your put your hand in the concrete and make an indention, so to speak. What do you have to say to that young artist? Or I say young artist. It could be <laughs> young, old, 
or anything in between. But anybody that that is out there that uh, that is, is is wanting to make um, art or make a difference, you know, there's just no. It is no harder now than it's ever been. It looks like it, but it isn't. Um, visual art making. If you're talking about visual arts, it, it's usually a solitary thing. It's usually an isolating activity. But the beauty of it is that you can dream. And then you can put steps behind the desire. And you just have to trust me. It's never been harder. And it's never been easier than it is now. It just is what it is. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Do it. Do it. Buddy. Like Lisa says, do it. I, I just, man, I'm energized. I appreciate you um, so much. And all you weirdos out there who are just looking to make, you know, make something. Um, what what Liz is saying here too is when you have that desire, when you have that drive, when you want to, you know, make. We cannot forget that you've got to be willing to put in the work. You got to be put willing to put in the practice to get better, and then you've got to be willing to put that work out there. Be willing to share it in whatever way is available to you. So, and great there are stuff. lots of ways. There are lots more ways available than people know. I mean, we're having a member show uh, and the membership to the Art and Culture Alliance is not juried. As you know, we accept anyone who wants to be a member, uh, you know, as as long as they don't, you know, as long as they're not mean to Suzanne. And they can, if they bring in a piece who and they want it to show in our member show, which will go up, I think, in, in July, um, maybe even sooner, we will hang it. We promise it will be at the Emporium Center in an exhibition because that's the promise we make. And then it's like, what, what, what does it take to do that? You cannot be turned down. You can bring in up to three pieces and then see your work alongside the work of other people. And, and then ask yourself, what do I see and how does it make me feel? Boom. That's good. You're a pro. I just, I am, I hope everybody out there that has listened to this can feel the energy and the determination that, uh, that Lisa brings to everything that she is doing. And what uh, a question to ask um, is where can folks go to learn more about the Arts and Culture Alliance, as well as um, just any of the, you know, if you're an artist looking for assistance, that kind of thing, where can folks go? Well, they can always email me directly. Uh, email's always better. It's LZ, as in little zebra, at knoxalliance.com, K-N-O-X-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E. And if they want general information about the Alliance, they can go to www.knoxalliance.com. And neither one of those actions will cause you to, um, uh, you know, um, wear a mask or uh, social distance. Just do it. Ask the questions. Uh, go on and have fun on the Knox Alliance website. 
we have our membership lists. Everybody who's a member, you can click through there and see what they do and tell yourself, I can do better than that. And there's only one way you're going to find out, and that is to put some paint on the canvas or put some dancing shoes on the stage, y'all. Um, thanks for joining us today. It's uh, Thank you. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Well, you know, this is just a powerful conversation, and I'm stoked. It's the promises we make to ourselves. It's the promises that we make to that third grader. You know what I mean? When you, yeah. you look back on your life and all you artists out there, all you freak shows, love it. You look back at that third grade, um, that third grade kid, and you say, man, I'm just trying to do right by you. And to do right, you make those promises, and then you got to keep them. So do the work, y'all. This has been Best Behavior Creative Club, an original design sensory podcast production. I am Chris McAdoo. I'm so happy to have been in your ears. As always, if you enjoy what you heard, uh, you know, if you listen, go share it. Share it with friends, family. Um, share it with that third grade teacher if they're still around. You know, it may have been a minute. I don't know. They're probably still. I kind of feel like the elementary school teacher that was um, like everybody has the idea of the mean teacher, uh, you know, with like the ruler just ready to, you know, ready to call you out. Share it with her. She would probably get a lot out of it. Um, and leave us a review. We appreciate everybody's ears and time. Now, y'all go make something great.